good to record now. Okay, perfect. We are recording. I'm Melissa Bowden, your host and founder of A Circle Back. A Circle Back is an online concept store for gifts that give back. We stock brilliant small brands that are ethical, eco-friendly, sustainable, and have a social impact. Find them all at www.acircleback.com. This Circular Life, the podcast, is an extension of our contribution that can be positive to the planet and the people in it. Join me each week as I interview people who have made this their jobs or their life ambition and investigate how we too can make simple changes in our daily lives to contribute to a better future. I'll be interviewing guests about what make their world go round, their inner and wider circles, vicious circles and the circle of life. Bear with me, I'm new to this game and I've been editing this myself, which has been varying degrees of success. Hopefully it's not going to sound too clunky. Spread the word if you enjoy and see you the other side. Hello and welcome to the next episode of This Secular Life. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to the first one. If you haven't yet, it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and it's with wonderful Georgi Gallic, and I fully recommend listening to that too. This week, it's my pleasure to interview today my cousin Des Bowden from Kenya. Des is a Kenyan-based founder of Kurawitu Conservation and Welfare Association and the Oceans Alive Trust. He works to protect and enhance Kenya's oceans by strengthening coastal communities through education, conservation and entrepreneurship. Des himself grew up in Kenya, studied a BA in graphic design at Chelsea Art School and then worked in media, marketing and advertising for several years. He now is the founder of Kurawitu and Oceans Alive and soon he'll be coming to Cambridge to study a master's in conservation leadership. Since 2003, he's been running Kuruitu, the first locally managed marine area in Kenya. The aim of this association is to empower the local community to take control of its destiny by facing the reality that our socio-economic well-being is dependent on the health of the environment. And we can only achieve this by attaining sustainable use through self-governance. Kuruitu was awarded the UN Equator Prize in 2017 for Excellence in Sustainable Development. And it's really been my pleasure today to talk to Des about how it works, how he works with communities to establish their involvement and their running of the projects and how he got into working the way that he does with these areas of particular biodiversity. Des joins me on Zoom from Kenya, so there's a little background noise at times, but it really does blow my mind that we can literally talk across oceans, so hopefully it won't bother you too much. He also calls me Lil throughout the interview. It's a family name of mine, so just letting you know about that. Let's go to Kenya and speak to Des. We're not doing too badly. I'll just give you a quick uh, scene of where we are, not to make you feel jealous, but to (laughs) encourage you to... uh, get over here as, as soon as you can oh, so that's, that's yeah. oh wow we've got the scene in front of us but um yep so you're gonna have to get down here hi des how are you um i'm great lil how are you good thank you so uh des is in Wonderful Kenya. Um, whereabouts are you in Kenya? Do you want to tell everybody? Uh, well, I'm um, at a 
place on the North Kenya coast called Kuruitu, which is sort of midway uh, along the Kenya, Kenya coast uh, in a beautiful sort of uh, beach area. I've uh, been l- lucky to have been locked, locked down here and uh, working on the project for, from here. Des and I, I mean, I should have checked this with my dad beforehand, but I think we're not, what are we, second cousins or we're, we're related? That's, um, <laughs> yeah, we are related. <laughs> no, nobody knows well, how. Your dad is my, is my cousin, so. Uh, That's exactly it. So I'm very lucky to be chatting with you and thank you for um, sharing your time today. So as usual, the interviews that I do follow the same structure. And the first question I ask everyone is, what makes your world go round? So what, what motivates you and or how has, have you been motivated to do what you do? Well, I, I think uh, probably from, from an early age, what I'm really sort of fascinated by is, the, oh, is nature, really. Uh, e- ecosystems, nature, and obviously everything that uh, lives in it, the, the interaction between uh, various species. So... Yeah, and I've always had a, had an interest in that. I've not necessarily been able to get involved with it uh, or, or take action on it until uh, fairly recently. But uh, it's it's always been an interest, and just you know, fascinated by diversity, the sort of rich and the poor in the diversity, and and com- comparatively, um, you know, grow, growing up in Kenya, we've always been surrounded by by nature and biodiversity and in generally uh, a positive positive way we've got some amazing game reserves here the government have preserved that sort of culture so you know working within nature i, I guess is really what uh, makes my world go around and, and recently especially in the marine in the marine side of things um i've just focused on the marine and yeah it's what what led you into focusing into the marine side of things? Was it because you you've done a lot of diving, haven't you? As, was it something to do with that, or is it just being by the coast? Yeah, a, a little bit of that. Of that. Um, we we spent a lot of time here uh, on the coast as as I was growing up. As you say, done a lot of diving and just fascinated by the the marine world down there. A lot of it's unexplored. A lot of it, you know, it's so so diverse. There, we think the uh, terrestrial environment is diverse and I mean just un- underneath the interaction between different species uh, just uh, fascinated me but um, more than that it was um, it was based on a, a requirement or, or a need with the growing up down here with with the fishermen going out fishing with the fishermen we all began to see this sort of change in biodiversity uh, due to various pressures on that and one one of them obviously is overfishing due to population increase um the other one is um other other people coming coming in and and fishing within the area uh, we have the problem with the aquarium fishermen etc etc and and basically it was the fishermen that came to me themselves and said look we are really facing difficulties with our livelihood with overfishing and we, we, our livelihoods are going down our catches are going down, and the whole thing is, is falling apart. So, how can you can you uh, help us? Um, can we work together and try and reverse this environmental degradation? So, so that's how, how I really got into the, the marine side more, more than anything else. Amazing. I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds pretty pretty exciting place to work. 
and things to do as well. And so you, do you want to explain a little bit about the two sides of the trust and the conservation that you do? So you've got Kuruitu and Oceans Alive and how they like link together. Uh, yep, uh, thanks. Um, so yeah, we, uh, as I said, it, it came from a need from the fishermen. So in the beginning, uh, we sat together under various mango trees and banana trees along, <laughs> along the coast uh, with, with the, the community. And we really discussed the problems. We talked with the the elders and within the community. We tried to find out, um, you know, what they had seen when they were growing up and, and the differences that there were were now. So the the young learn learning from the old, which is an important way within the coastal cult culture. So um, we got together um, and uh, as I say we set up this thing called Kuruitu Conservation and, and Welfare Association and within that we, it was a membership body in the beginning it was a, a few members a few fishermen working together um, with a common aim of restoring the natural resources and working with the natural resources uh, to improve their, their livelihoods. So that's how uh, Kuruitu Conservation and Welfare Association was set up in, originally. Now it's developed, this is now 15 years later, we've built a management plan or we, we developed a management plan. We started working with other stakeholders in the marine environment, in the marine area. We visited other projects along the coast and we came up with a management plan which we've been following. And part of that management plan was resulted in the first, what we call locally managed marine area, which is a community conservation area it was part of our plan right in the beginning was to set aside an area as a protected zone or a, 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 uh, an area where no fishing was um, allowed, uh, obviously mandated by the community themselves. And so to allow the area to recover. And, and originally this, was, um, this area was supposed to be temporary, supposed to be a breeding area where fish breed there. The, the bigger the fish gets, the more eggs they lay. And then obviously the overspill into the surrounding areas improves fishing and fish catch in the, in the surrounding areas. So, so that, this was the first locally managed area in Kenya and in fact the Western Indian Ocean region. Um, and it was uh, the reason it was sort of uh, groundbreaking was because normally it was a national, um, it was run by uh, as a national thing like marine protected areas whereby the government set aside areas um, for protection, for, for no-take. Um, but there, there was not really, it was government-run and there was not really a local, locally-led element in it. So what the, the difference with our, with our approach is um, the community run it themselves, they're, they're empowered to run it themselves, um, which I think is a lot uh, more powerful for um, sustainability. I was um, going to say, it's much more, more sustainable to do that as well. And you've got the quote on the website, People Protect What They Love by Jack Cousteau. And like, I think the way that you've involved the community is really just a way to keep this going for years and years and years. Uh, yes, I, I think that's it. And, you know, setting up alternative income around the marine protected area, we, we call the community conservation area the, the heart of the project. And, and everything that has grown has grown from around that uh, tourism has become because of the almost immediate change in biodiversity and, and improvement 
it's become a very popular tourist um, or a visitor, um, an area where visitors like, like to come and see the amazing fish that, and the coral and everything that's growing around it. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a two-way thing. Well, it's more, more than two, it's multifaceted, but it is the original thing was to make the breeding area so fish can um, then overspill into other areas, but it's had uh, other um, benefits, uh, alternative income, that comp well, I don't like the word compensate, but alternative income that to replace any any uh, loss of income they might have. Had, yeah. Amazing. And then there's the arm as well, Oceans Alive. Um, it's, it's kind of a separate project, um, but they're linked as well, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so Oceans Alive, um, well, Karuita has now been running since 2003. So in 2017, the influence that Karuita had on other, uh, other communities along the coast, that about 30 other communities along the coast have now um, taken on a similar projects and which had started this locally managed marine area movement, a community led movement in improving fisheries, uh, sustainable fisheries along the coast. So people have taken that on board. As I say, about 30 other ones have started. But over the 15 years, you know, we, we've made our mistakes, we've, we've learned from our mistakes. And in order to share those, what we've learned and peer-to-peer -peer learning, et cetera, et cetera. We decided that it was a good idea to set up an umbrella sort of organization, if you like a locally managed marine area network where we're getting all these uh, other communities together and work working together along the coast um, in order to accelerate and expedite the, the efficiency, um, help in areas of governance, in economy, uh, we've got we've got four pillars really. Uh, so so really, what I'm saying there is that's why we set up Oceans Alive as an umbrella trust um, to help other communities and create a network. And uh, we work under uh, three uh, four main pillars really, and that is the ecology, the economy, ecology, economy, the governance, and um, social uh, the social side. So there there are four main pillars. Amazing. So kind of going backwards a bit, I guess, um, something I ask everybody is who are your inner circle or is there someone specific to you that's close to you that's influenced what you do? Well, yeah, I guess, um, well, it, it, would, it would have to be uh, my, fa my family, I think, uh, definitely influenced um, positively what I do. Um, what I do takes up a lot of time. Um, so very understanding on that side it's, it's often what I was uh, doing before I, I left the corporate world uh, to go into um, into this uh, environmental um, marine environmental world um, and it often has you know there's, there's not a lot of money that can be made out of it on, on a personal basis so you know that there is a, the sacrifice that's done on moving out of corporate um, and so you know family being very understanding uh, my wife has been amazingly supportive in, in everything that I do. Uh, she helps out with her different skills of, of writing and um, helping in whichever areas she can. So in a, in a way, it's been a bit of a family affair. My son's got very involved with it. My daughter's got very involved with it. So, yeah, it, it's been, I would say, as an inner circle, that, that would be my main 
those who, those are who have influenced you and and how um how have your son and daughter got involved what what part do they play well for, for, well my son um he's uh, studying um zoology university and so he's obviously interested in the marine sort of side of it he took a, a, a year off and helped me a lot with setting up various aspects of what we do here we have a community farm we have a volunteer business um, where we get in volunteers, uh, expedition members from various parts of the world um, to come and learn about the marine environment. So he got very involved with that during his gap, gap year and and, set, and helped me set up that whole area, which obviously has been affected by recent events, but um, it's something that we, we're continuing with. Likewise, my, my daughter, in every way possible, she's been involved with the alternative income, working with the women's group, coming up with products and, and working with that. So everybody has come in with their different sort of talents and different ways they want to be working and really encouraged me and continue to encourage me. Yeah, and probably in their own way have carried on propelling the project and motivating you to carry on with what you're doing, seeing their involvement and enthusiasm. I know that definitely inspires me when I'm doing something, if you've got people who are behind you enjoying it as well. Well, yeah, no, and, um, and yeah, and, and the family in general, you know, everyone's really encouraged what, what, what we do uh, what, and what we ha- have been doing. And so that's been really, um, really gratifying to um, get that sort of support, which is, which is quite often needed. Some, sometimes it is frustrating. Sometimes you feel, am I, you know, with the climate the way it is, climate change the way it is, with um, the different challenges that come up, it, it is quite draining sometimes. And so it's very good to have that sort of support. Yeah, I think it can sometimes seem such a big issue and quite an overwhelming issue that sometimes you can reflect on, okay, um, what are we doing? Is it going to make a big enough difference? But if you you need people to keep pushing on the project so that you keep going rather than think, ah, this is all too much to tackle. I, I think that's it, Lil. Uh, no, I, I think that, that's the main thing. You know, every time I go in the sea and go snorkeling and see the increase in fish and biodiversity, that's sort of what keeps me going. But it's, it's also the people around me that uh, support me when I'm, I'm fed up and when I'm Sort of, uh, <laughs> struggling with uh, you know the various challenges that are there and that's like working with any community but it's also uh, the climate uh, change the recently this whole covid thing and that's put an extra spin on things just when you know climate change as if that's not enough with the climate change now we've got this extra thing that's going on which is cutting off fishery supply chains it's um, it, it, it's really big challenging for coastal communities who have very little buffer zone to, uh, to with, with their livelihoods and save very little money. So anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, in a way, that sort of leads quite nicely into my next question, which is um, who are your wider circle and kind of who you want to help and reach with what you do? So, I mean, we've touched upon in the first answer about what makes your world go round, the importance of the pillar of community. But I also sort of wonder whether you've uh, wanted to take the opportunity to talk about 
who you've reached and been recognized with the projects that you've done so far because I know that I mean you're one of the most humble people I know but it's actually been such a hugely accoladed project and been noticed and rewarded in various different ways so a chance to sort of talk about that side of things as well. Um, yeah uh, well thank you for coming. <laughs> I think um, yeah, we won the Equator Prize for Excellence in Sustainable in sustainable Development in 2017. Uh, now, whilst we don't do what we do to win prizes, that was that was a, a good sort of accolade for for the community and made them realise that you know they were being recognised on on a worldwide stage, um, which was great for them. So yeah, now apart from the community, I, I think really the influence we've had on on a, on a lot of areas by showing that you know uh, deprived and poor communities can actually make a, a big change in the world although they're they're compromised they, they, we, we proved here that it, when a community get together and act together uh, when a community get together and act together they um, they can re- achieve really great things so um, you know I, I, I guess that and the influence that we've had on other communities other stakeholders, just showing that you, you, you don't need to be a scientist, you don't need to be you know, qualified. If you just get together with, with communities and work with other stakeholders, you can really achieve a great deal. And do you have any, um, are there any sort of stories or moments that stick in your mind where you've seen uh, the reaction of a community or something that's happened, positive progress with the project that's been something that everyone's kind of been able to celebrate together in a either through something that's happened specifically with the marine life or just something a funny story that comes to mind when you think of that? Yeah, it's, it's constantly sort of um, every day be, being here um, is um, some, something happens which is either, you know, uh, can, can, can have its amusing side, side to it. Uh, obviously, working with the environment, things are happening on a day-to-day basis. We've got turtles coming in. Laying during during the season, we got whales going past. We got all sorts of uh, things going on. I guess working with the community, and and that's what's great. I think is although that they you know they do have struggle with their livelihoods and like that they always manage to keep a sense of humour about things. It's been uh, you know every day going into a meeting with with them is is a pleasure really because the. the you know, we, you know, you know, they're struggling with their day-to-day livelihoods, but they always see the the funny side of things. Every, every day, there's there's something that makes uh, makes it enjoyable, makes it fun, and and yeah, whilst it's challenging, it, it's also very rewarding. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the spirit of uh, the Kenyan people is infectious as well, kind of, if, if everyone else is approaching life in the way that they do, then you can, um, you definitely take that away as well. I'm sure it makes for much more interesting meetings and uh, happier times as well, just irregardless of what they're going through. Yeah, well, you having visited here, I think you know uh, quite a lot, you, you know the Kenyan people, and uh, especially down at the coast, I think, um, you know, Although they live on a day by day basis, they you know whatever they they catch, they eat and, and live off. So whilst that's uh, you know really important to protect that, I think you, they do con- continue to keep their sense of humour. Definitely, spirit, as you say.
the next part is really it doesn't have to be negative but it's um more about like connecting through this podcast I want to connect with community and also give uh younger people or people who want to have a change in their career or what they do a chance to realize that it's not always it's not always easy so I talk about your a vicious circle so a time in your life when either you've had something negative that's been that you're glad to be rid of or something that's motivated you because it's been bad to get out of what you're doing and change change what you've been doing well um yeah um good, good question um i think um yeah i, I went you know my I, I did my qualification at uh, chelsea art school and then got into ad- advertising and product development uh, advertising promoting products um quite often products that have, have uh, helped to um put us in the situation we are in an environmental in a negative environmental situation. Um, so I, I guess, you know, that decision that I made to what, what I was doing in advertising was actually helping something that I didn't really believe in. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I spent 10 years or more in, in, in advertising and I think the realisation that, that I didn't want to be doing this anymore and even if it was financially not a, not a clever idea to get out of what, what I was trained and, and qualified in. I think, you know, that, that sort of decision was the best decision that, that I could have made. Um, it was quite daunting, you know, where, where are we going to get the livelihood from, where are we going to uh, keep uh, the, the kids in school and university. So, you know, I, I think that uh, that decision was really changed things. And I think what I'd like to say there is whatever you decide, if you've got a passion for it, and you embark on a journey, then I think you can you can achieve a, a lot, and you can make whatever situation that you want to work in. You can you can you can make it work, whatever situation you put yourself in, as long as you've got the drive and the will, and, and that, that comes from passion itself. I think, then um, and that's been a big change in my life, and definitely improved, um, you know, uh, improved our, our livelihood um, and and uh, just a, a different way of thinking. I think that's what it probably definitely comes down to. It's changing, changing your thinking is probably the biggest battle. I'm sure there's lots of people that are listening that have either been put into differing situations with their jobs now, or perhaps have just graduated and feeling a little alienated by the prospect of being able to be employed. And I do think that's, oh, the dogs are upset about it too. That's <laughs> <know>, fine. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm sure that that's actually quite useful advice to carry with you. If you've got passion, then that can drive you. Because I do think it can feel a bit daunting, especially when you want to either change career or make a leap of faith and kind of hope that you will get the income that you need at some point. So that's, yeah, I do think that's a really prevalent thing right now more than ever to strive forward with passion and then you can hopefully get there. Um, I think that's what drives you to keep going as well. Well, no, I, I really do do believe in that. I think um, often we we get involved with things that we think are, are, the, are the right right thing to do or the right direction to go in, and and you know life is made of, of constant choices the, the whole time. And for me, the choice to to get into the marine environment and the marine space where not many people have been working and not not much has been done. That's definitely been the best decision I could have made. So definitely, definitely a great thing from perhaps, I don't, wouldn't ever call any decision a bad thing, but you've perhaps the motivation to get out of the industry you were working in has spurred on the success that you've now had with what you're doing. 
Well, it's worked for me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Quite apt being in Africa. The last question I ask everyone is the circle of life. So what mark you'd like to leave or what message you'd like to kind of leave from what you're doing? Um, yeah, I think it's more, uh, more of a, um, a message rather than a, a mark. Um, as, 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 um, I, I like to sort of keep, keep in the background. I think it's uh, really important for the community to drive their own projects and, and own their own projects. So I think more than anything else is to have had an influence on changing the, the marine environment, on improving the marine environment, on improving livelihoods. Uh, you know, I think there's an inextricable link that healthier communities uh, look after their environment better. So there's a, a big link between li- improving livelihoods and improving the environment. So trying to get that message across, trying to explain that message, get people to understand that you know, it can work together. It's not all about, you know, t- telling people to come to stop fishing in a certain area. It, it, it's working working with communities and providing a network of coastal communities that will be long-term, you know, and, and changing policies um, on a governmental level towards more locally-led, looking after the small-scale fisheries rather than these big trawlers coming in and things like that. I think if, if that if that can be achieved, then you know I feel that I've, I've added value. Definitely, and I think what's interesting about what you just mentioned was you spoke about small scale fisheries, and then you also spoke about changing government policies. So, working both ends of the scale and the importance of policy changes to help what you're doing as well, because that needs to back up everything you're doing on the ground too. I'm sure it's the slightly more bureaucratic or um, time-consuming element of it but it's also so important to start with the bigger systems and kind of change from there as well. No I think you're right Lil I think it it really is uh, important Uh, what what we've done in the marine environment the locally led approach has led to these um, co-managed areas and the the a thing called the Beach Management Unit, which is an elected body mandated by the government, elected communities. They split up the coast into geographical areas. I don't want to get too much <laughs> into the detail, but um, you know, it, it, what we've done has changed the, the way of thinking more to a, a locally, more from a national level to a more locally managed level. And I think that that's so important and it's influencing government policy on, on the best ways to work, work with, with communities so, yeah it's all uh, it's all linked, it's all linked. yeah sort of circle if you will <laughs> yeah yeah oh well thank you so much Des I really appreciate um, having the time to chat to you and I'm gonna link a lot of the a lot of the things which Des has been speaking about I'll link in the show notes and add the Instagram handles as well to give um, both Kiriwitu and Oceans Alive a follow Des himself is a fantastic photographer too, so you'll see some of his imagery on there and lots more information that's being updated quite quite often now. Um, if you would like to or be interested to get involved, then um, please check that out. And you can also actually always get in touch with me because I have a direct link to Des too. You've been listening to This Circular Life. Thank you so much for joining this week and I hope you'll be along for the next one too. 
You can subscribe, rate and review via Apple Podcasts. Please share amongst your friends, colleagues and enemies and give this a little boost. We're a small drop in a big podcast ocean, so any promotion you can do will be much appreciated. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about A Circle Back, you can visit the website at www.acircleback.com. It's an online gift store for items that give back, be it ethical, sustainable, environmentally friendly, or by having a social impact. Every item we stock is from wonderful small brands, and they do good whilst being great, beautiful design-led products too. So check it out for your next purchase and vote on positive impact with your money. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. Have a wonderful day.